So good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the 14th episode of Short Track Talk podcast. Today, we have a very special guest here with us. I am really, really excited as we got a two-time world champ this year. He's had an amazing season. It didn't start off the way he planned, but I think he made the most out of it at the end of it. He's a writer for Alpecin Phoenix. He's cross-country marathon world champion. He's cross-country short track world champion. So today we have here with us none other than Samuel Gaze. Good morning, Sam. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me along. Uh, I've uh, listened to a few podcasts uh, from what you guys have done so far and super happy to be here. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to the podcast I have and yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. Well, no, it truly is my pleasure uh, having you here, especially just after the season you've had. How's the off-season feeling, first of all? Yeah, I mean, off-season was great. I uh, First of all, I had to sort of initially recover from the injuries that I sustained at the XCO Worlds and you know, pushed my body quite a bit to get ready for the Marathon Worlds. And so, yeah, I've really enjoyed some downtime and connecting with friends and, yeah, spending some time with my girlfriend after a pretty taxing season. So it's been really good. Well, that's really good to hear. How are those ribs feeling after breaking them? And how's that clavicle doing? <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, I pushed through the pain a little bit with Marathon Worlds and I think it was more just, you know, that sort of took a lot from the mind and obviously from the body too. And, you know, now I'm 100% okay. But uh, yeah, it was 20 days uh, after the crash, I did the Marathon world. So another week or so then I was, when I fully stopped training and fully shut down, then I could actually focus on the recovery and then it was quite quick. But uh yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed some downtime, but as athletes, you know, we're, it's pretty quick for us to want to get going again. Oh, yeah, of course. It's always about uh, watching the next race or just having the next goal on, on mind. But yeah, uh, it's really good to hear. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, you don't have much uh, to recover or anything, really. So it's good to hear that you're back in track and then we'll see you riding your bike soon again in races. Yeah, no, thanks. I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's been good. I mean, obviously, you know, it was... I finished, uh, you know, 2021 in, uh, in condition that I was really happy with, you know, but it was sort of the the ranking from what they kept from the COVID and sort of from March 2020, I sort of, it really limited me, limited me on how much I could actually do, you know, while well, my start position and how it went. So, you know, coming into 2022, I was super, you know, motivated and I knew that, uh, yeah, I could, the, the problem of the, the start position was no longer, but, you know, three weeks before Brazil, after Kerner, Brussels Kerner, having the the double knee surgery, it sort of really, yeah, it was definitely pretty hard to handle, but, I mean, I was super happy just to make the most of it by the end of the season, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it was probably not the start you were imagining and not the way you wanted to kick off the season, but uh, sometimes it it is what it is. And, yeah, I tell you, you, you recovered pretty well, we could say it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of shot myself in the foot a little bit there, you know, because I had a really good build-up. Uh, well, actually, really perfect, really, from when I started in November uh, 21 up until, you know, we got three weeks out. And so I was really, you know, everything went perfect. And when my knees gave way, it was really hard to handle. And I think I was a bit too ambitious or a bit too eager to get back to it. And, you know, I worked really hard uh, with the rehab um and training and the first short track world cup went really well for me um but i was really focused on the cross countries you know like it's actually everyone always thinks that i'm a short track specialist but you know i really i want to perform at the cross countries you know yeah. and 
it didn't really go my way and I did a bit too much top end and not enough base work and I sort of paid for that for the mid part of that season you know so um in hindsight I'd like to change a little bit with what I would have done um with how I made the initial preparations coming back but you know I really worked towards after the knee surgery I sort of you know I knew that uh, any chance of the overall or this was out of the out of the equation so sort of I really wanted to focus on the worlds and finish the song the season strong and sort of you know use that as my 2022 season you know yeah just uh, some sort of redemption right just uh, finish it off right even though you couldn't start it uh, the mixed all and and i mean i'd say you even though you got you got a crash in the cross country olympic race i'd say you made mostly up for it like you had a really good season really strong finish uh two yeah. months uh how does that feel for you how was it uh, first of all, winning the short track one, and then literally a month after you fracture some of your ribs and your clavicle, just winning the cross country marathon world championship. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of, you know, uh, it was a weird time because obviously, you know, uh, I have to be really happy with the short track with title. Um, and I was like, I, I really am, you know, and uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to, to win that first uh, rainbow jersey of the two. And, you know, but I was there for the cross country world title. Um, I prepared really hard for that. And, you know, after the Lens Hard never missed on oh no, the Lens Hard and Dora World Cups, I sort of had that well already they were working on it, but sort of from there it was sort of two key training camps at altitude. The first one was to prepare for the Commonwealth Games um in Birmingham, which went really well. Uh and then from there I had three days at home and then prepared directly for the XO Worlds. And you know, I sort of went into that weekend with knowing that if everything went really well and I had luck on my side, I was a contender for the short track world title, but it was really great because I knew that it was, if I, if it didn't work out, then that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I was there for the XCO. And if it did work out, then it sort of took a lot of external pressure off me to, that I would already, you know, I've already got a lot out of the weekend, so I didn't need to really worry. Um, but of course, you know, um, everything went really at the plan uh, up until the crash at the XO race. I mean, you know, I went into the race with the idea in my head that, uh, you know, it was, if I wanted to become world champion, I was racing against Tom Pickock on a good day. Um, it's not how it worked out. And it goes to show how, you know, and uh, yeah, you can't really predict too much of what happens at cross country races. It's not like, uh, you know, there's a lot that can happen. And so the initial 20 minutes of that race, you know, I started beside Tom on the sixth throw and, so the initial plan was to to move forward as fast as I could and do my own race to get to the front and and see where Tom was uh, when I got there and sort of I know that uh, Tom's one minute sprints is much better than mine but I'd like to think that my threshold is sort of my quality so I sort of had the plan to go ride threshold and sort of try to limit any of these attacks but when I got there I sort of my coach on the side of the course told me to sort of sit back and relax a little bit or recover a little bit and you know, in that time that I was there, I was sort of, my mistake was thinking a bit too much, looking at what other guys were doing and sort of how they were feeling and sort of trying to figure it out a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you spend months getting ready for a race like that. And uh, definitely after my last years and the sort of my journey through the sport, it was a day that I really believed that was uh, the day of my career or the day of my life, you know. And yeah, when the crash happened, it was just, there was a step up, step down. It was just a really, like, yeah, it was quite a, not the most technical feature on the course at all. It was quite simple, really. Um, but I was trying to scrub the bike to keep it low. And 
just as I went to go let the bike go to roll over the, the lip of the jump or the step down, uh, my back wheel hit, sort of hit a rock and sort of threw me a bit off balance. And that was that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely really hard, you know, because I obviously after the knee surgeries, a lot of the consistency of the season was out the window. So I really banked a lot on that last portion of the season. And, you know, I never really... Um, put too much focus on the marathon worlds up until then but obviously after the crash I I had a lot that I needed to get out still you know like I trained a lot to get into that form and I really wanted to not for anyone else but for myself just to show it you know so it worked out well in the end I guess well, I mean, yeah uh, you didn't take the one you wanted but you took another one so yeah it's okay. <laughs> for it. but yeah it's really interesting so what you were essentially saying you were really focusing on trying to read your rivals instead of actually racing right Yeah, I mean, that was, it's sort of, you know, um, that's sort of something I like to do a little bit in my racing. Uh, the way I ride the race is sort of to keep me sort of busy in that, that part of the race or sort of just try find a goal out of it, you know, because I'd like to try make it as much as a, you know, protocol as I can, you know. So when I go into the race, I want to have a clear plan of what I was doing, what I'm doing. And you can't always plan to try make an attack or sort of follow an attack because you never know what everyone else is going to do but I really like to get if I'm yeah obviously if I have the legs because a lot of occasions I haven't but uh, when I do have the legs I like to be there and sort of just try see where someone's slightly stronger to me on the course or where I'm slightly stronger and sort of make my tactics off that in those first laps trying to follow and see what's going on you know um, and it's something which I used that worked really well in Stellenbosch uh, my first World Cup win and I was sort of doing this, you know, and it's double-edged sword, you know, like on one side, it's really good, but on the other side, you know, I have to, I have to say, like, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't present when the crash happened. Like I was thinking about my competitors and I wasn't thinking about exactly what I was doing. So it's my own fault and I only have myself to blame, but it's uh yeah, it's a very hard lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes the hardest people are ourselves uh, just for making whatever we're doing, whatever we're the harder one, hardest ones on ourselves. So I have to ask, you fall, uh, well, all the medics, all the doctors come at you, uh, they block your shoulder fully, give you the oxygen mask. What were you feeling in those moments? Huh, I mean, it's, yeah, I, it was more shock than anything, you know. Are because, you aware of what's going on? Yeah, well, yes and no, you know, because obviously anyone who races the world so is, doing the biggest bike race of the year, you know, like there's a lot of emotion involved, obviously. And, you know, that whole, the short track world title went really well and I was nervous the whole week going in. And, you know, I enjoyed the short, the the Friday's race, you know, like I saw my girlfriend and enjoyed it with the team and sort of, you know, gave a good pat on the back. But then when I woke up on the Saturday, it was back to fully focused on what I was doing. And, you know, that whole morning from the moment I opened my eyes on Sunday morning and, till the crash like it was almost yeah look not it was automatic you know like I was super nervous but everything was tunnel vision towards what I was doing and you know when the crash actually happened at first it was sort of the first thing I thought obviously is okay how bad am I can I get back on the bike and I sort of realized that I was pretty sore actually at first I thought I broke my hip because I took a bit of a hit to my hip on the thing and I couldn't really stand up at first so I was sort of oh this is good And then uh, as soon as I could get to my feet, I was like, okay, I'm not too bad. And then obviously I felt my collarbone and then it's like, okay, yeah, I'm not racing anymore today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was sort of, you make 
your plans and sort of I was already thinking about because I'd been away from my personal life I was at altitude camp before the worlds and before common games I was at altitude camp and I didn't have much time for my personal life with Amy and sort of my friends and so I was already looking forward to what came after the worlds and thinking about that and all the things that I was looking forward to some downtime and yeah all of a sudden you know I was on the side of the hill and I got airlifted through to a French hospital and then from there my team picked me up and we drove overnight to Belgium and I arrived in Belgium hospital at 7am the next morning and then had my surgery at 10 in the morning so it was sort of so rushed and everything was happening that I didn't have time to really think about it and it wasn't until I got home that I sort of realized what happened you know um and you know the first week wasn't super nice you know because I came back and I remember being in the hospital bed and looking at Amy and being like okay like I gotta go for marathon worlds like I can't I can't let this go you know <laughs> so yeah I mean we came back and that first week I sort of as I was training through it and sort of a bit angry well very angry at myself and sort of yeah trying to vent it through it wasn't until four or five days later that I got emotional and sort of realized what was lost there you know yeah but you know it's the same thing well what that was was the same thing that managed to get me to marathon worlds in a good place so there's always a silver lining right yeah always I mean it's always looking for the better and you didn't make the most of it out of it so yeah let's leave that aside for a bit now uh thank you for sharing all that insight it's a lot of stuff you don't really get to see and I think it's always interesting to be able to know all this stuff and yeah so taking a little bit of a jump back now I would like you to tell us how you first got on a bike when you were a kid yeah so my first memory of life is on a motorbike uh when I was three and a half years old my dad bought me a little PW50 which is a kid's motorbike and Literally, yeah. I mean, my first memory of life is going into a fence full noise <laughs> because I didn't know how to use a throttle. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had bikes all around my life since I've known. And my dad was uh, racing domestically uh, in New Zealand. And I sort of followed him around. And, you know, I had so much energy as a kid that I really wanted to, to do something. And I had a passion in following my dad. So that's how I sort of initially got into it. Um, but, yeah, I... I did the mountain bike, a bit of BMX, a bit of motocross when I was super young and sort of eventually I went into schools racing when I was in high school or intermediate and that was with road cycling. So I my first time representing New Zealand was uh, with the uh, youth national road team to go mm-hmm. to do a road tour in Australia. And it's actually, I realized that I wasn't good enough to become a professional road cyclist. So well, I didn't think I was. Um, and so then I turned to the mountain bike and, you know, the first two, three years was a lot of learning. And, you know, I went to the first nationals uh, that I really took seriously was under 19 and Anton Cooper, I think he beat me by like nine minutes, something like this, you know, and I was like, wow. Okay. But, you know, Anton is ever since he's been under 17, Anton's been the best in the world, you know, like through yeah. the youth categories, he was completely unbeatable. So I sort of, you know, he beat me by nine minutes, but he also won a World Cup by six. So I thought I was doing okay still. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, I decided to to give it a really good go. I went to the World Championships uh, as a first round of 19. I was 46th, still nine minutes down on Anton, but Anton won a world, so that's okay. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the following year, I sort of 
yeah, decided that I wanted to do a longer trip. And so uh, Adrian Retief, uh, a really good guy, <laughs> sort of uh, came along with me or I came along with him and we lived out of a car sort of and drove around the different races. And, you know, I, yeah, it was, I was doing it on a budget and it was quite hard at some times, but, you know, it was some of the best memories I've had. So, yeah. And after a couple of years of trying to make that work, I signed my first contract with Alp- oh, no, Alperson, uh, with Specialized Fish Racing. And then from there, the, the dream really started. Yeah, well, that's a really good, inspiring story. Like you mentioned, uh, just traveling around on the budget, uh, trying to make it to every race, uh, be best as possible and like you mentioned i had anton on this my second interview from the podcast or the third one i think and yeah like you said he was one of the best since the beginning but uh, i'd say now you're up with him again so i think you made it to where you wanted uh, to be and uh i'm kind of curious how did the opportunity to sign for Alpecin come? because you were racing for a specialized have been racing for a specialist for a few years and you just mentioned yourself that when once you started racing and road cycling, you realized you weren't good enough. So I was kind of surprised that you're essentially the only mountain bike rider for the team right now, unless when Mattia comes comes along. But it's not that often, especially not this season. Mm. So how did I? How is that? Yeah, I mean, um, it's actually a funny circumstance. You know, I 2018 went really well for me in the start uh, with the World Cup in Stellenbosch and. You know, I sort of felt like I wasn't, I lost my, yeah, I came through some mentally pretty hard times uh, in 2018 and towards the end. And I sort of got myself re-going again for 2019. And I went to Cape Epic and I had a really bad crash and landed on my head. And, you know, like I was not in a good place at all. Um, And so I was, yeah, I mean, I was speaking to Matthew after his Amstel Gold win, um, and he asked me how things were, and I said, "Yeah, it's not so, not so great," you know. And he sent me a message saying, "Like, uh, give me ten minutes." And ten minutes later, the boss Philip was in contact with me and wanted to sort of try re-establish my career because at that point it was all going downhill, you know. And I had a lot of rebuilding to do. Uh, I was in a bad place, and it took a lot of time and almost yeah, from the very end of yeah, end of 2019 all the way up until the Worlds in 2021, I was rebuilding and trying to get things going again. And, you know, I really have Alpes and the Koenig and uh, the Rudolph brothers and a lot of people to thank for having faith in me and really trusting in the athlete that I felt, well, at the time I didn't think I could be, but a lot of people did. And I will always be grateful for that. And, you know, I also have dreams and ambitions on the road too. Um, after Paris, I would really like to target the classics and see what I could do there and sort of, yeah, I mean, no promises, but I'll do everything I can to be as good as I can for those races. And the Alpes and the Koenig really support that as well. And they're super good with it. And already from next season, I will be doing a lot more road races in the spring and sort of developing on that side as well. But, you know, it's a really good fit. Um, I like the way that the team operates and the importance they, they lay on performance and the structure behind that and how we accomplish goals and you know I it really makes me be a better athlete myself and think you know that there's a lot of things that yeah it's crazy like I thought I was professional until I came to Alpes and Kunik and after two years of being here I was thinking like okay yeah I wasn't at all <laughs> and so yeah it's been super nice and you know obviously I'm under contract with them until after Paris but 
I really enjoy it there and I enjoy how they challenge me and want me to be the best version of myself as an athlete. And obviously I want to do that too. So it's, <laughs> it's a good combination and yeah, let's see what the future brings. Oh, well, uh, my next question was going to be, okay, we'll, we'll see Sam Gaze uh, racing in a road cycling sometime soon, but <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, sorry, mate, I already answered that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and is there any, any race you have a special thing for that you say, oh, this, I really enjoy watching it. I really want to race there, for example, in Roubaix or one of the big tours or something that's in the back of your head, something it would be amazing for you to be able to race in. Yeah, I mean, obviously... You know, I I love the mountain bike and I really love racing the XC bike. You know, like it's a, it's a special sport and um, there's something of, yeah, I, I adore it, you know. But of course, as a kid, like I remember being on the couch with my dad when I was 12 years old watching the Tour de France and uh, the Cobble Classics. Uh, for me, these guys that ride the finals of these races and you see it, the gladiators, you know, like it's a... It's completely different from cross-country mountain biking. Like it's six hours, six and a half hours long. It's, you know, and I've done a few hard road races now where it's it's a complete different thing. You're completely on your knees and suffering like no tomorrow. And then you've still got another hour of trying to hold the wheel in front of you, you know? So it's really quite different, but it's whenever I've finished a hard road race, I come onto the bus and, you know, I sit in my seat and I think, wow, that's uh that's living. <laughs> so, you know, in the future, for sure, I want to do more of this. And, you know, I, I haven't done enough to be able to say uh, that I can or that I will, of course not. Um, but for sure, after Paris Olympics, if everything goes great, then I'll try my absolute best to perform as best I can in races like Flanders and Roubaix and hopefully make the tour squad one day and experience that because I'm sure uh, riding in the Champs-Élysées must be uh, pretty damn special. <laughs> I was gonna say it must be it must be a hell of an experience for you. I was working in La Vuelta this summer, uh, and it was it was yeah. I had the chance to talk to the opposite manager. Actually, I don't remember his name, but I did. It's been quite a bit of time speaking with him, and yeah, it was it's really interesting just being able to uh, analyze a whole different world from mountain bike. And like you mentioned, it really has nothing to do with it. The only common common thing is just pedaling. Yeah, Maybe. for sure. Both bikes have two wheels, eh? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice. Like, I really, the dynamic of riding in a team, I really enjoy. You know, it's, uh, everyone works together and, you know, there's 16 or however many 18 teams in the race and they'll have the common goal of getting their team the best result possible. And, you know, the stories that come out of a, a day on the road or a tour, it's, it's super nice to share that with people. And, you know, it's uh, the compromise or the combination of both really keep me light in the head you know like it's uh because then all of a sudden you know like when i go do a road race i'm always excited to go do it because it's it's something Thanks. i haven't been able to do much you know and you do a hard road race and then you uh are thankful for the fact that you're a mountain biker and then you don't do 80 <laughs> days of this <laughs> so then when i come back to the mountain bike of course i'm super like oh this is cool this is only 90 minutes you can just go as hard as you can <laughs> yeah i mean it's different but it's great like you mentioned each each modality has its own things but it's really good and now uh changing a bit off topic i'll do you mentioned paris i was going to mention it at some point is that a clear goal of yours you unfortunately missed tokyo last year uh because of everything going on in previous years uh, we've already mentioned that mm -hmm. rio was your first olympics as an under 23 
So first of all, I was going to Brazil that year as Amanda 23, being able to race in the Olympics and just uh, seeing the whole atmosphere. Yeah, so with Rio, it was sort of, you know, I, in hindsight, there's a lot of things I'd like to change. You know, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I won the U23 world title that year. Um, and my lap times at the Worlds were comparable to the front of the elite race. And, you know, I sort of believed that I could go for a top result in uh, Rio. Yeah, I mean, maybe not a middle, but a top five, top 10, you know. And I sort of came into that race super nervous and I was young. You know, a lot of, I've spoke, yeah, a lot of Olympians and a lot of people who have performed at the Olympics have said that the first time is always a write-off. You know, like you experience so much. There's the atmosphere of a village of that size, um, the media attention, the transfers, the way that things work, you know, like you have to, and I was really lucky actually with the fact that as a New Zealander, we have the Commonwealth Games as well, which is a sort of smaller version of the Olympics. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. Uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted to at all. Um, I didn't have the start that I wanted and I was on Absalon's wheel uh, or close to him going out of the start loop. And I sort of thought that I could follow him and he'll get to the front because it's Absalon. And yeah, for the first rock garden, I had a mechanical and made a, a bad line choice and had a flat tire and that was that you know so but yeah i mean i missed tokyo of course uh it was too soon after my injury and dealing with uh yeah mental illness and coming back from that so but in saying that you know anton was sixth at the olympics and yeah. so it was he did a really good job and there's no way i could have done that at that time frame so the best man went and i'm happy for him for that um hopefully in paris we're both there because i definitely do believe that both of us should be at the olympics um but of course you know i yeah i believe that if i can get myself to the best shape i possibly can be at i do believe i can yeah i mean i i would have liked thought that i had a chance at the world title this year and i do believe i can win Paris Olympics so that is the biggest goal and of course you know I want redemption on the XR Worlds next year and that's a big focus but for me in my mind right now is uh Paris 2024. Yeah I mean that's totally fair I guess especially after this in Tokyo I'm sure you're eager to race in an Olympic track something soon and next year is going to be an intense one especially of how they everything the UCI has changed our countries points and ranking and all that stuff that comes with it so uh, you mentioned XCO Worlds next year, big goal. And is there anything else uh, you're planning to do? Maybe a particular World Cup that you have in mind or just a couple of races that you... Or or maybe it's, some, it's something you haven't started planning yet, which is totally fair. It's only in November. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, cycling in 2022. They get these things quite organized pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... For me, uh, I'm going to have quite a big, busy spring uh, if everything goes to plan with my form and sort of no injuries and the usual thing. Um, so I want to come into the first World Cup uh, in Holland and over Mesto in a really good way and focus on that key block because that's usually the biggest split weekend of World Cup racing of the year. Um, traditionally, it's always been Alps to Nova Mesto, but they've changed this year, which is exciting to see a new course. And also Holland is a lot closer to the team uh, headquarters, so to be able to race close to them would be nice. And then, yeah, like I'll focus on that first block of the season and I think I'll take a small break and then focus on the World Championships and the last World Cups. So 
it's sort of broken up into two two halves, uh, yeah. which I really enjoy because, yeah, obviously you never know. Like if things are going really well, then I have to focus on the World Cup overall. Um, but it's just such a long season, you know, and I think really what we do this season determines how fresh and how good we come into the Olympic year because, you know, we start already, uh, well, I start with Tour Down Under uh, on the 17th of January and I won't finish until the last World Cup in Montserrat at the beginning okay. of October. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of have to, we have to look after myself a little bit and make sure that I'm not burnt out or going over time a little bit. And then of course, you know, I'll finish the season next year and then take a good off season and, and stay home. I stay in Girona here and then really then it's all in for Paris. Well, that's fair. And it's like you mentioned, all in, all in for the big goal. <laughs> yeah. No. And uh, like you mentioned, comp games before. Uh, it's not something I really want to get into as uh, Worlds was uh, much about a race for you this year, Chloe. But how was it winning in front of all those people cheering for you? Uh, Birmingham this year, it must have been quite special. You had no yeah, race. I was, fun, funny enough, I was actually interviewing Anton uh, two weeks before the Birmingham Come Games. He sadly couldn't race mm. because of what everybody knows at this point. But how is it for you? Uh, how is the race? And just the atmosphere of the comp games. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. You know, it was it was really super nice to win. But you know, uh, I had in the back of my head that Anton should have been there, and unfortunately, Anton wasn't. And I I feel for him. You know, because us Kiwis, we love to represent New Zealand and the Commonwealth Games. You know, before Anton and I came to Glasgow, it was sort of, I'm sure he was the same as me, that we look at the Com Games and think that, that there's the world stage, like it's the biggest it gets because we looked at his kids and, you know, earlier riders in New Zealand, like Cashy Lukes, Mark Northcott, Stu Holfham, Clinton Avery, there's a list of them that did the Com Games. And yeah, I mean, it was a shame because on one side, I do believe that if Anton was there, we would have been on all three steps um, of the podium, which would have been, yeah, it would have been, uh, no discredit to the bronze medalist from the Bibia this year because it's it's you know it's great for Alex but uh yeah I, I really was looking forward to that and also you know um I mean it's no secret that uh Gold Coast wasn't uh, my proudest moment and going back to Birmingham I really wanted a nice race of Anton and for both of us to enjoy racing together because you know I do believe that I make Anton Cooper a better mountain biker and Anton Cooper makes me a better mountain biker because we're both from New Zealand, we push each other all our, up, yeah, our years coming up in the sports and I have a lot to thank him for. Uh, and yeah, it would have been nice to have that race, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. And, you know, from there, the race was quite, uh, you know, I broke it down into what I needed to do. I thought that if I rode my, my threshold or my speed for 90 minutes, it'll be okay. So I did this and Ben was in second place, which was really nice. So yeah, I mean, for sure, it's nice for myself to win, but uh, there's a moment for New Zealand rather than myself, I think, and we missed out on that. So hopefully one time in the future. Yeah, I think our next long games are right right around the corner, just like Paris. It'll be it comes quickly, game. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, like you mentioned, it just show, shows uh, the pride of racing for the Kiwi colours. Uh, just for you saying that winning was important, but that you just missed out on your mate racing against you in this case and just making the race even better for the country. It says a lot about you, I'd say. And it's something really interesting and passionate to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, eh? It's uh, Anton and myself and also Ben these days. We base ourselves a lot in Europe. 
uh, and we really, you know, we raced the the World Series and the World Cups and sort of the highest level of the sport. But you know, we all come from the bottom of the world and a little island, which is you go to the end of it, the end of the world, and you keep on going. You find New Zealand, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of pride in that because we do come from a small country, and I do believe that uh, between the three of us, we've been able to carve uh, sort of a legacy in the sport and the in the world and being recognized by the world so but yeah i mean hopefully i can because yeah i mean the reason we didn't have two riders in tokyo was me you know i didn't have the points and i had my injuries so hopefully i can uh shop to the party a little bit and yeah, both hopefully. of us can go to the paris yeah, hopefully the fingers crossed for sure and now i'm myself a proud, proud spanish boy so you're in Girona base like you mentioned so i have to ask what is it that that's been gifts for so many riders to come and base themselves in Spain and in that in that area. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize you're from Spain, but nice. We're about to Spain. Uh, I live in Aragon, or well, like three hours away from Girona, more or less. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful country, and uh, Girona is a beautiful area. I mean, for me, it's sort of you know, there's a lot of English speaking or English native, like the first language sort of people that race bikes here. Um, and so the atmosphere is quite nice to find like-minded people and sort of have some form of community here. Um, you know, I sort of, for me, myself, like when I decided to, because, yeah, I mean, I almost uh, decided to retire from cycling and do another something else. But coming back to the sport, I sort of knew that uh, for me to do it and to be super, uh, to be happy and to feel, yeah, like myself, I wanted to base myself from somewhere instead of traveling back and forth and trying to live two lives almost, you know? Yeah, which is... Um, so being here full time has been great. You know, I've uh, made a lot of lifetime long friends and sort of inside and outside the sport. Um, and it's the training's really good. But of course, you know, like for me, it's sort of, yeah, I, I, I train my best and I do what I can. But also for me, I need to have some form of balance in life. And so to be here around a lot of English speaking people and can make this feel a lot more like home, you know, so it's, uh, it's almost a no brainer to live here for me. Yeah, I just want to say it just uh, really having that, that close-knit family like you mentioned and having that atmosphere and uh, the whole community just helps it uh, a little bit more to feel like home, which is always always nice and it always helps for sure. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, you just mentioned that you, well, you, of course, you, you had some very tough years and you thought about retiring. Uh, what would have been that something else you mentioned of doing? Do you think about it? I mean, uh, I don't know at the time. Eh? For me, I just wanted uh, a bit of change, but I'm glad I didn't put it that way. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was a hard time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I basically, you know, I held my sense of self too much to my results, you know, and I held my, my identity too much to my sport. And I thought that uh, me as a person wasn't going well when I wasn't competing well, uh, which is obviously a big mistake. And, you know, luckily I decided to, to face it instead of run away. Um, and I sort of figured this out and sort of found myself a lot more. And yeah, I have to say I'm, uh, I'm grateful for it, you know, because it's not the, the good times that you find out about yourself. It's the bad times, you know. Um, but who knows what I would have done. You know, at first I probably would have gone building with my dad and uh, found some time to sort of figure out what I want to do next with my life but it's uh something i don't have to think about for a while hopefully and i can uh yeah focus on riding my bike again and of course you know like i'm uh super happy doing it again i you know i fell back in love with my bike and 
coming back to the sport, it's obviously the racing. I'm a very competitive person and I, I love it. But for me, I just to have the love for the bike back and to be able to go out and run my bike and that be my happy place again. It was the first step, you know, and I think that there and figuring that out was what allowed me to get my, yeah, to be able to be what I could as a pro athlete again, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, uh, you mentioned, luckily you're still here. Uh, for yourself, but also for the myself as speaking as a spectator, like ladies to heal for us. <laughs> put, up, put on a good show always every time you're racing, and it's great to see you right. Uh, now, having said that, yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, the different different times an athlete goes goes through in his career. There's many people that have similar periods about it, uh, like the ones you have. For example, a few weeks ago, I was interviewing Thomas Litcher, and it was about same thing for him, different problems. Obviously, he's never the same, but he was also having some tough years, especially in results and thinking about retiring. And those are the moments that really build you up uh, towards the future. Eh? Those are the mm. moments you think of when you're just having a tough time. And you'll know, say, I'm going to, if I got through that, I'm getting through this by far. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like you see professional athletes from TV or from the sideline and you sort of see them in there. That's the final product, you know, on a race day of world championships or world cup like that, there's the final product and behind the scenes, there's a lot that goes on, you know, and the biggest thing that I struggled with um, was, you know, we, you grow up as a person and you learn about yourself as a person and you do that through the sport. And for me, that meant that I was on the other side of the world from all my friends and from what I knew, you know, and sort of growing up inside the sport is, you're quite sheltered to the rest of the world. You sort of focus on what you're doing and you think that, that there is life where it's not necessarily, you know? And I think the big thing is, is, you know, when it works out, it's amazing, but professional athletes and, you know, if you're trying to really be high performance in any career that you choose, it is quite, you know, solitary and there's a lot that you shut yourself off to. And so, yeah, it's, it's always a challenge growing up in professional sport. Well, it is. And it's, uh, something that you have to learn about as you go along, you know, like it's funny because, you know, I always said to my dad, like, it's crazy. Like you, you dream of being a professional when you're 12 years old, but you don't realize the road that you're going to have to take to get there, you know, and it's, uh, it's definitely one that I'm very fortunate and grateful to have, but it's definitely been one that challenges me all the way, you know, and these days I'm a lot more settled and sort of found my place a lot more and I'm happy with what I do and my purpose or my, my reasons behind what I do it are different to when I was younger, but, yeah, I mean, you have to go through the adversity to get to where you want to go, you know, and if it was easy, then everyone would do it. So it's sort of, it's a payoff, it's a way off, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And the amount of athletes that just stay in the way because they're not able to make it, it's, it's crazy that people really don't realize uh, there's more the few that make it. But I say it's been a bumpy ride, but what a ride, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I'm, yeah. For me, it's uh, definitely been something which, you know, around every corner, there's something new and there's always another challenge. But, you know, I, I like it like this. I like to be challenged constantly and I like to constantly test myself to see where I'm at as a person and as an athlete. So, you know, it's great. And, you know, it's, a, it's yeah, I mean, it's a hard sport because, of course, there's a lot that goes into it and, it's not always fair, you know, like there's a, a lot of athletes I've seen growing up, which has had a bad run of illness or injuries and it's just so much to it, you know? So it's really, I'm really grateful to be in the position that I'm in. I 
to a lot of the time, you know, like I, my biggest thing in off season was like, I can't believe that I actually pulled it off because I didn't feel like I was doing anything different from three years ago, but it just happened this time, you know, and it's just, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of days where I sit there back and I think, well, okay, like I'm, uh, I'm literally living a childhood dream and not many people get to do this through injury or through circumstance. And so, yeah, I mean, although it's a hard life and for sure it's uh test me at the same time, it's uh I know that I'm very privileged to do what I do. And you said it yourself. It's just having the luck of being able to live uh, your childhood dream, although many don't realize. And yeah, no, it's really, really good to hear you still. The, I still see the passion in you, uh, that passion to ride and just uh, to enjoy the weekends. So I'm going to ask you, in terms of a World Cup weekend, what's your favorite part? Because many people would think that it's just the short track race, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, oof. This part of Saturday is quite nice because we finish uh, the short track pretty late on Friday. And then uh, I always tr- have trouble to sleep on Friday evening after the short track. So Saturday, I know that I can have a recovery day. So I just roll around and enjoy what I'm doing. Um, but for sure, it's the last 10 minutes before the Sunday's race. Um, I didn't have a nice run this year. I had uh, some nice performances for where I was uh, in Linzerheide and Andorra, but you know it's been a while since I've been fighting for a win of a World Cup. So, yeah, I mean for me, it's the the last ten minutes before the race, the feelings, you know, the the euphoria or the excitement, I, and sort of that's where I feel most alive, you know, because in the race for me anyway, it's almost autopilot. Like you don't you're making decisions and you're playing the tactics and you're running the course, but it's just happening so fast that you're sort of taking it in and not really able to to digest it or, you know, sort of look back at it until afterwards. So for me, the last 10 minutes, because, yeah, I mean, you're sitting there and you're full of caffeine and you're just warmed up and you're like, okay, let's go have some fun. <laughs> let's get it. Okay, let's get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of uh, walker weekends are quite intense for you guys. Uh, you got short track, like you mentioned Friday's. Then Saturdays, mostly recovery days, but you do go out for a ride sometimes. Check the track again, make sure nothing's changed. The climate atm- atmosphere is the same. And then Sunday's the race. And it's like, I mentioned, pretty intense. If you got a World Cup following weekend, probably traveling even Sunday afternoon sometimes. So is there anything you particularly enjoy having or doing after a Sunday race? Yeah, I mean, for... Myself with the team, uh, they're really good about it, actually. Usually I'll be straight to the airport and back home. You know, a lot of the World Cups this year, I was, I mean, it's a late night, but then at least I can wake up at home as I'm back at home in one in the morning or so. Um, so for sure, it's, yeah, for me getting home the day afterwards, especially, you know, this year was a bit crazy because every race was pretty charged, you know, like uh, obviously coming back from Nova Mesto, I was pretty upset because I ended up passing out on the side of the course. But, you know, every World Cup was sort of, you get back. And for me, the nicest part is sort of digesting the race, processing it, figuring out what worked, uh, what didn't, and what I can wake up tomorrow stepping into, you know. Like, I find myself quite, uh, you know, there's always the plane ride on the way home after the race. There's a, a lot of times that, I haven't got any music in or watching anything. I'm just staring at the seat in front of me and just thinking about the day and what comes now, you know? So it's definitely quite nice to sort of look back and sort of digest what happened. And yeah, I mean, it's XC racing is a funny one because it's over before you know it, you know, like there's been so many races where I've started it and then 
I blink my eyes and then all of a sudden there's two laps to go. So it's sort of, it's not until afterwards that you can sort of look back and enjoy it. But yeah, for me, it's always coming home. And if I know I've done everything I can, which I try my best to do every time these days, uh, then I'm always proud of that. And if I'm proud of, I did everything I can that was in my control, then for sure it's, uh, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, if you know you've, you've done your best, that's it probably. And now, uh, as much as I enjoyed, I've enjoyed talking to you and just having this chat and hearing all these things about you. I don't want to make this uh, too long. So last question of the podcast, can you give me a song to put at the end? A song to put at the end? Yeah. Oof. Okay. Um, just something you so the genre we're feeling, it's a nice outro song or is it pump up or what do you like? Uh, whatever you want. Uh, people <laughs> have, have given me pump up. Uh, people have given me everything you can imagine. We had all genders so far, so you won't be putting in anything new. Just something you enjoy listening to or whatever. Okay. So the last like song that I have, let's go for that, is called Freddy Crabs by Sticky Fingers. Free crabs by Sticky Fingers. Free crabs by Sticky Fingers. Okay, that's perfect. Um, yeah. On. Yeah, sure. So, so it's, uh, yeah. Not every day you get to interview a two-time world champ, especially not in the season. So thank you for just uh, giving me some of all your time and coming on to the podcast to share some of those stories. And I hope you, you had a great time. No, no worries. I, I did. Yeah, for sure. It's been nice talking and uh, picking my brain a little bit about it. And yeah, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's uh, you're doing a great job with the uh, the episodes that you've had and the writers you've had on and it's i really enjoy listening so uh i probably won't listen to ours because yeah <laughs> but uh the following ones for sure i follow so great work and uh happy to be here hey, thanks man uh, take care Same